And hello, good morning everyone from my backyard. Uh, this is my backyard and I'm Pastor Sean and I'm really happy to be with you guys this morning, even if it's virtually. But remember, right after church, we're going to have a virtual fellowship time, a Zoom meeting, which is in the the notes here you can get in on that and and just uh at least let us see your face and and smile with us and uh we would love to fellowship with you all a little bit afterwards right over here this is my tomato plant uh that i'm trying to grow i've named him bob um so that's who that is right there and um I want to start off with a joke today are you ready for a joke i haven't done a joke in a little while and uh so why don't they get COVID-19 in Antarctica? It's because they're so isolated. I'll let you all get your laughs out and your groans, and I'm sure I will pay for that later, but that's okay. All right, before we get into our Bible study today, we actually have a, a serious prayer uh, need. Um, Sherry uh, has come to our church many times uh, in the past, and her daughter, Shania, uh, was in a, a pretty bad car accident um, uh, Saturday morning, and, uh, and she's actually in surgery right now. Um, it was, it was, she's really hurt, and uh, uh, so we need to pray for God to bring some healing, and uh, we need to pray for this family. Um, Father, we just come right into your presence. And Lord, what can we say uh, when there's a terrible car accident? Um, Lord, we just ask that you would heal Shania, that you would be with the doctors and give them wisdom. I pray that her body, uh, beyond um, what makes sense, that it would heal. I pray that it would heal um, in such an amazing way that no one could um, say anything except it was you. That, that God must have intervened and stepped in because according to man, uh, we've been told that this is impossible. She's already, um, you know, died once and had to been revived and you have restarted her heart. And so we just pray and we ask and we, we beg that you would step in and you would heal Shania. Um, God, um, she is loved. She's so dearly loved by you and by her family, and by us. And God, we pray that you would step in and show mercy and just pour out your grace on her and on that whole family. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to get started uh, in our in our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. Uh, we have arrived at chapter nine. Last week was a really pivotal week, a, a, a week where the book shifted from the first half to the second half. And right there in the middle, there's a, there's a big change where Jesus is being described in the first half as the Messiah. What, what was his job? Who was he? And what, uh, what did he come, um, to teach us and, and just tell us about him? And that was the first half of the book. This second half of the book is Jesus uh, doing the things that he was meant to do, being the Messiah, um, which eventually culminates at the end of the book, obviously, in Jesus dying for our sins on the cross. So that is where we're at. We're just beginning this time here. And, uh, and so 
remember what's been going on. Jesus had just said, yes, I am the Messiah. He asked them, who do, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you know, you are the Messiah. That's who we believe. We believe you are the one who is sent from God, the Son of God. And Jesus says, you're absolutely right. Now, I'm inviting you all to follow me. And what does it look like to follow Jesus? It means to deny self, to crucify self, and to follow him. Uh, we have to say no to the things we want, and we have to say yes to him. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. <clears throat> so um, the the chapter breaks that we have in our Bible are not inspired. They're not, uh, they're just there to help us when we're trying to find stuff in the Bible. So originally this was all one story. And so this would have made a lot more sense if we were reading this with chapter eight, the end of chapter eight, and then going right into chapter nine. But, uh, it was a good breaking point, And so we, um, we're just going to pick it up right in chapter nine. Remember, Jesus has just shared, you're going to follow me, but to follow me means to deny yourself Pick up your cross and and follow me. Give me control of your life. And then he says right here, getting right into it. He said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that, that, that uh, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. So as we've begun reading, let's now pray and ask God to teach us what this transfiguration event means. Father, we pray, we ask uh, very simply and humbly that you would teach us, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would, uh, that we would come with a, a heart that is ready to learn, uh, that is ready to focus, Lord, that we, we know that we don't do things the right way, but you know the right way, you are the right way. You are the truth and you are the life and we want you to reveal yourself to us right now. We fix our eyes on you. We set our hearts upon you. We lay aside every care and concern and every worry and stress and we put lay them all down at your feet and we just give them to you right now uh, so that we can be free to listen to you, to, to, to sense your spirit and to abide and remain with you right now. Amen. Again, this is continuing a conversation that we had in the last chapter um, where Jesus ended it by explaining what it means to follow him, that it's that it's picking up your cross and uh, denying self. Now he promises, check this out, that some of those who are with him are going to see and experience his glory and power. Now, we use those words all the time, glory and power. But Jesus says here, some, some of you guys are going to see and experience my glory and power before you die. It's going to be amazing and it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I know I've told you that you're going to have to pick up your cross and you're going to have to basically die. But I'm telling you, I'm promising you, it is going to be worth it. What is so worth it about glory? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Why is the glory of Jesus amazing? Why is it 
worth it? What is the glory of Jesus? We're going to see it's going to be revealed to these guys. Um, well, right now, let's just say that the glory and the power of Jesus that, that was going to be revealed here, it is the reason or the motivation that these guys are going to have for denying self and following Jesus. Jesus gives them a gift of motivation. Um, and it's true for you as well. If you want to follow him and lay your life down for him, um, you have a motivation. And that motivation is that you will see his glory and it will be revealed to you. It will be worth it to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus will be worth it. Following Jesus is so amazing and worth it because he is worthy. He is worthy. We're going we're gonna to think and ponder about that word uh, a lot today. Many uh, times an experience that is amazing or glorious is not easy. Ask anyone who has climbed Mount Everest. The top of Mount Everest is the highest point in the world and it is glorious to stand up there and to see the highest point in the world and to experience it is truly amazing, but it is extremely difficult and many people die trying to get to the place where they can see that glory. Ask anyone who's traveled to the moon. Um, it's a glorious view. It's quite amazing, but it is very difficult and perilous to travel to the moon. Ask anyone who is married. Marriage is glorious, but it is not easy. That is very true. We have a path laid out in front of us. And that path is narrow, as Jesus said. It is difficult, like Jesus said. It is not easy and fun all the time. But the end of it is glorious. We do have to deny self in order to get there. We have to follow Jesus to death. That's part of following Jesus is dying and abiding with him. Abiding with him means we spend time with him when we could be doing other things. We delight in spending time with him. We serve him when we could be serving ourselves. But the end of this life of abiding and death to self and denying self, the end of that life is a front row seat to the best thing in the universe. It will be worth it totally worth it. You are never going to look back and say, man, I wish I had spent more time doing my own thing. I wish I had spent less time with Jesus or serving Jesus. That's simply not going to be the reality for any human being. And everyone who doesn't follow Jesus is going to regret it. That's just the truth. When they see the reward of the faithful, they will regret every selfish decision. Maybe uh, even we 
even though we will be saved and we will be in heaven, when we see someone who was just really faithful in their life and the, and the glory that they get to experience in the presence of Jesus, we will regret all the times that we spent not serving him. We, here's the thing, is that we are as close to Jesus as we want to be. Nobody forces you to get closer to Jesus. Nobody forces you away from Jesus. This is something that you really do have some control over. Because Jesus has done everything to remove everything between you and him. And he invites you. He says, come, draw near to me. And in James 4, 8, it says, you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we can experience as much of his glory and power as we desire to experience. Do you ever wonder why some people seem so full of love for the Lord? Do you ever why... Do you ever wonder why some people are just, it seems like they're always ready to praise God and to worship the Lord? And have you ever thought, man, I I just wish I knew what their secret was? Well, I, I believe that their secret is no secret at all. It's just that those people have made up their minds to live close to Jesus. And as a result, since he has promised to be close to whoever wants to be close to him, the outcome is that they live in the sweet presence of Jesus continually. That's the experience that they have. Well, let's now turn back to our text and see what happens with, uh, with this story. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. So here we have this story about what's called the transfiguration, which is a big word that just means Jesus was changed or transformed into a, a, another thing. Uh, he, he, he were able for a moment to see who he really is on the inside. So we got a couple questions we got to ask as we start studying this and as we start looking at this. Why was Peter, James, and John chosen? Were they Jesus's BFFs? Were they, were they just his uh, best friends? Or I don't know. Um, uh, well, what we do know is that they were chosen uh, to be special leaders in uh, the kingdom or, or what Jesus would be doing through the church in the future. So we could kind of see this as a leadership training that Jesus was doing with these guys. Um, Jesus knows um, he needs his leaders to know who he really is. They, they need to know how amazing he really is. For their, these guys are going to be going through a lot of bad times, 
a lot of suffering and they're going to need to have something that they can hold on to in their memory uh, when uh, something beautiful, when the suffering is so bad, they need to have this beautiful image to look back on and remember uh, for when they're going through these things. That They need to have a hope that doesn't fade away. So this is their training. And if you think about it, uh, their training is pretty easy. Uh, guys, I want you to sit there and get blasted by my glory. That's what it is. See, these guys have been abiding with Jesus. And now Jesus chooses this time as a time when he is going to reveal his glory to them. Notice the, the progression. Abide with Jesus. Glory is revealed. Spend time with Jesus. Then you understand why it's amazing to spend time with Jesus and how amazing Jesus is. That's how this works. You get into it, kind of what you put out, or you get out of it what you put into it. Man, I'm messing up all my words today. But this is the transfiguration. And in Greek, the word, the word here for transfigure is the word metamorphosis, uh, which is kind of what, which is what a caterpillar does when it changes into a completely different animal in its cocoon, changes into a butterfly. Jesus has always been God. His, his godness or his divinity was just as real as his humanity. It was just veiled or concealed or hidden inside his flesh, inside, so that we couldn't see it. He was fully God and fully man. The big uh, theological term for that is the hypostatic union. He was both of them at the same time. But as a man, the disciples knew him and loved him. They thought he was the greatest man ever, so much that Peter was really upset last week when uh, we learned that, that Jesus said his humanity was going to be killed and be crucified and rejected and not loved. And Peter's like, no, I don't want that to happen. Right? But they didn't know Jesus in his glory yet. Um, they knew him like in like John chapter one, verse 14, which says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. You know, they could see that Jesus was full of grace, just helping people all the time and full of truth. Never, never, uh, caught up in a lie or believing a lie or anything like that. But uh, this moment is when they will see his glory. Um, I have an illustration that came to me this week as I was watching uh, Avengers with my boys. Uh, we've been kind of doing this Marvel movie marathon as, as the um, coronavirus quarantine has us all in the house for so much time. And, uh, and so... I was thinking about it and I was thinking that actually uh, Captain America is a really good illustration of this. Okay, so so you guys know and I'm going to totally spoil the movies for whoever has not seen the movies, but I'm going to give away the literally the best part of the entire uh, 85,000 movies or whatever. Um, so 
Captain America at the whole the whole time everyone's like Captain America's amazing he's got all his own movies and everyone's like he is just the best guy and they even make fun of him for being so uh, righteous and just such a good guy right but Thor this other character has a has a hammer that uh, his dad put a put a um, not a curse but a spell on that says whoever is worthy as uh, uh, of this hammer can can wield this hammer and so uh thor you know in one of his movies he goes through a time where he was just a jerk and and so he's not able to wield his own hammer he's trying to pick it up and he can't even pick it up and no one can pick up this hammer right so you go through the, all the movies and then you get to the end and and uh they're fighting you know thanos for the world and it's all crazy and 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 uh and Thor's getting beat up by Thanos, and then all of a sudden, uh, the hammer Mjolnir gets thrown and right at Thor, and everyone's like, "Wait a minute! If Thor's getting beat up, who was holding the hammer?" And it, it was Captain America, and and Thor looks up, and and in the best probably scene of the whole thing, he says, "I knew it." And and you know, as you're watching it, you're like so excited because Cap Captain America really does define what worthiness is, but. It was kind of hidden like uh it, it he was already strong like he had like magical you know science strength uh but the true glory of what made him awesome was on the inside the the kind of person that it was and it, and the thing is that it took a great amount of suffering to really see that that glory come out and and it wasn't until the very end after all these crazy bad things had happened that we see him holding this this hammer which revealed his glory so i thought that was a really funny or really great illustration of what it's like to have glory revealed um so these disciples see jesus like this and they're just like oh my goodness he is amazing he is incredible i mean i knew he was good i knew he could heal sickness i knew but but i really didn't even know how wonderful he is mark the author here he is trying to let us know what this experience was like and he describes it that it was like his clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow and, and brighter than anyone on earth could ever make it that's his attempt in matthew chapter 17 matthew describes it like this he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light or that could also be translated a star he became as bright as a star wow that's amazing just try to picture that right in luke chapter 9 his description verse 29 it says as he prayed the appearances the appearance of his face was altered or made different and his robe became white and glistening which means it sent forth light it was kept it was like a sun or a star producing its own light so i imagine that you could see Jesus from outer space if you were up there uh, at this moment. And I think that's why he took them up on the mountain was to shield the rest of the world from this revelation. Just like God shielded Moses with his hand on another mountain when Moses asked, I want to see your glory. Uh, and, G and God said, uh, okay, but I got to hide you on a mountain. 
So the question is, why isn't Peter and James and John killed by this glory? Because uh, technically they are sinful and uh, his glory is so great that if you're if you're not worthy, you would kind of perish in his presence. And we see that many times in scripture. But I think it's the same reason that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were not burned up by the fire. They had supernatural help that we call grace. Um, God had chosen to give them grace. And uh, so you don't have to be perfect or even good to get grace. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later because Peter, James, and John are certainly not perfect, but somehow God has chosen to give them grace. And that gives you and me a really great encouragement as we um, look at the application of this. Okay, now it says, uh, And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So this supernatural event gets even crazier. You have Elijah and Moses, who have both been dead for hundreds and thousands of years. And uh, look, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 31, it gives us another insight here. It says, They appeared to him in glory and spoke of his death which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, this is getting amazing. Um, God is showing his disciples and all of us just kind of how little we know of reality. You know, we're getting this glimpse that Jesus is God, right? That he is glorious. There's a, there's a, a place or a reality where the dead aren't dead. And all of this is like a fire hose of information just blasting his disciples. Uh, and they're being a, they're, they're able to see what's going on here for the first time. And, and my question when I read this was honestly, how did they know that it was Elijah and Moses? And so I just kind of picture in my mind that they had little Hebrew name tags on just so that they could know. Um, but the real question is, why is it Elijah and Moses? Well, in the Old Testament, in the scriptures at this point, because remember, the New Testament had not been written yet. Moses represents the law. Moses gave the law. So the first five books of the Old Testament is called the law. And it came from Moses, right? God gave it to Moses. Moses was used to represent the law. And Elijah was the first of the great prophets, and he represents the prophets. So the Old Testament is made up of the law and the prophets. Uh, so this brilliantly illustrates and points to the fact that all Scripture at this moment points to what Jesus was here well Jesus number 1 but not just Jesus as a person but what Jesus came to do which was die on the cross that's why Moses and Elijah are talking with him about him dying on the cross their part their scriptures that they were kind of in charge of or they represent they all foreshadow and point right to Jesus dying on the cross so they, they consider his death to be the pinnacle of everything that God has been doing since the beginning of creation. It is all about Jesus. You've heard it said, history is all about his story, and that is very true. Then Peter answered and said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. 
and let us make three tabernacles or tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it says here, it's because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. So Peter, bless his heart, doesn't say smart things most of the time, right? He's blessed with this amazing revelation that God's giving him, and he decides to say something. And I'm going to give you a pro tip right here. Pro tip. If you're ever in this situation, shut up. Do not say anything, right? Peter is is saying something that reveals that he really has no clue what's going on here. He really doesn't know. He's missing the whole point. The whole point is that Jesus is God and glorious. That's the point, right? And he's greater than anything. And he's greater than scripture itself. He's what scripture points to and reveals. And Peter is basically saying, hey, Jesus, you're so cool. You're just as cool as Moses and Elijah. I'm going to raise you up to the level of Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah were basically like superheroes to Peter. I mean, they, they he had learned... Uh, about them since he was a little child, and they were like the Avengers, right? Uh, uh, Moses and Elijah had the greatest, you know, stories in the whole world written about them. They were, they could do miracles, they could cause plagues, they were just incredible. And he probably feels like he's being pretty generous, including Jesus in their company. But boy, is he wrong. This suggestion that Peter makes does not go over well with God. Basically, God the Father rips open heaven to scold Peter, which seems to be happening a lot lately. Um, and it, <laughs> which, by the way, gives me hope when I consider how many times God has to discipline me, because I make just as many mistakes, if not more, than Peter. Um, and God does discipline me and you, but it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he loves us. And God certainly loves Peter, and he doesn't give up on Peter, just like he won't give up on you. But God says, Peter, shut your mouth. Stop talking about things you don't understand, and f f just listen for once. Just listen. Look what he says. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, Peter, right? And it says, hear him or listen to him. You know, Peter, just be quiet. Jesus is God. He's the son of God. He's my representative. He's my servant. He does my will. He is so far above and beyond Moses and Elijah. It's not even uh, fair to compare them. Don't get it confused, Peter. Jesus is the one that is glorious. Moses and Elijah are just my servants. Jesus is everything. Everything else is nothing in comparison to him. Don't confuse this, Peter. If you hear Jesus, you hear everything that matters. And you will be able to understand Moses and Elijah as well. I got to say, I read, uh, when we were studying Exodus uh, last year, I read a commentary by a guy named Dennis Prager, uh, who's a Jewish guy, and he wrote a commentary on on Exodus, and it was pretty good. It was called the Practical Commentary on Exodus or something like that. Anyway, he's not a believer. Um, he's not a Christian. Uh, but he wrote this commentary on Exodus, and I, I had to laugh a lot of times when there was this 
really blatant and clear picture of Jesus in this in the book of Exodus, uh, his commentary was just blind to it. And I felt, um, I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, when you understand Jesus, when you surrender to Jesus, you will be able to understand the Old Testament. Really, it's not that hard. It's pretty simple. Um, it's all pointing about Jesus. It's all talking about Jesus. So uh, you get that, you get it all. Um, but this guy is super smart and brilliant, wrote a wonderful book, um, but it missed everything about Jesus. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, our text continues on, says, Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. So everything goes back to normal, uh, and they're left with just this tremendous impression uh, and a memory. They see Jesus as a man with their eyes, but they know that there's more to him. They know that there's an immeasurable power and glory right under the surface. So imagine now their conflict watching him die on the cross in apparent weakness, unworthy of death. Uh, what is he worthy of? He's worthy of exaltation and glory. He, they know that this is God. And to watch him die on the cross would make a huge impact on their hearts. You know, they know the infinite value and worth of his life right now. And they would be struck with just shock watching him die as a weak and silent lamb. And, uh, and so that's really good to consider as we think about him dying too. Also think about how Jesus wanted a relationship with them. He made it as easy as possible. It would have been very difficult if he was just this bright, shining light walking around everywhere for anyone to have a real relationship with him. But he wanted people to be comfortable with him. That's why he left heaven and became a man uh, and lived a perfect life, uh, showing men how a man was supposed to live. Um, and and he, he had nothing left to prove. Uh, but now Jesus, again, hides or shrouds his power and light with human flesh so that he can suffer and die in love for us. This is called glory or invisible glory. Um, this is humble serving. Uh, Jesus is the best in every way you can measure. If you're measuring spiritual beings, he is the pinnacle. He's the brightest, the most shiny and glorious. If you're measuring human, he's also the best. Now it says, Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Jesus didn't show them this so that they could brag to their friends about it, so that they could be treated as something special. He showed them this so that they would be able to understand his death and resurrection and suffering later. And maybe that's why you have experienced some of the things you have gone through. Maybe the meaning and purpose of these things will be revealed later. 
And it will always be used by God, I believe, to increase our understanding and knowledge of his life and death, the life and death of Jesus. That's why you have gone through maybe the terrible, maybe the glorious, maybe the interesting things that you've gone through. It will be someday so that you can understand the life and death of Jesus uh, to a greater extent. Your life matters. Your suffering matters. There is glory there. And maybe it's hidden under the surface. Maybe you're thinking, I, there's no way what I went through could ever be transformed into something amazing or glorious. But I'm telling you, it can, it will. God promises you, you will see his glory in what you have gone through. Just abide with Jesus. And at the right time, you'll understand. You will. I don't know what that time will be, but I know it will be the right time. Well, we're going to move on to the last little couple sentences here. Uh, we just saw Elijah appear and Moses. And so I think the disciples are like, wait a minute, what, what was that? And, and this is what happens here. So they asked him, Jesus, saying, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. But how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it was written of him. So Jesus basically answers them their question about Elijah. Like, why was Elijah here? Um, He's basically saying, guys, you're focused on the wrong thing. Stop worrying about Elijah and shift your attention to me. Let's think about me. Why you, The question you should be asking is, why do I have to suffer and die? That should be the question you should be thinking about. Elijah is going to come, and Elijah has come, and he's going to do Elijah things, and you might not understand what they are. But all this has happened so that you can know me better. Um, and yes, Elijah... Uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, so he's what the the, the past tense of what Jesus is talking about right now. Uh, that's that's the fulfillment of that. And then in the future, there'll be some sort of fulfillment about Elijah coming back. Um, but Jesus says, "You guys just focus on me. That's all you need to worry about." And yes, that is why everything in your life has happened as well. Jesus has worked out a million ways for you to see his glory. And your only job is to stay near to him, and that glory will be revealed at the right time. So that is our study through the first part of chapter 9 of Mark. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are now going to shift over to Zoom. I'm going to get that started in just a matter of seconds, but we're going to pray And then I hope to see you check in with us over there. Please keep Shania in your prayers. She is uh, in really bad shape in the hospital right now, like I said at the beginning. Um, So she's heavy on our hearts, and we just want to make sure uh, that we are praying for her. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for um, 
all this uh, understanding that there is glory beneath the surface of things we can't understand. Thank you for revealing that. Lord, uh, we have each gone through many things that you have a purpose to turn around and to show us uh, about your glory through those things. And I pray that you'd help us to be patient and help us to abide with you, to stay connected with you, to be in your word and, and stay praying. Lord, help us to have a humble attitude full of faith uh, so that we can uh, have your grace, Lord. Thank you that you don't turn your back on us when we make huge mistakes, but you you correct us, you restore us, you pick us up, and you love us. And we need that so much. Lord, I pray for Shania that, God, you would, you would turn this into glory. We know that you will, but, Lord, we pray that uh, you would have mercy on her. You would... Uh, have mercy on her family, on her her child, her one-year-old boy. God, we pray that you would save her life in a miraculous way. And we pray that you'd help us to be loving and kind to each other and fulfill um, your will this week as we walk with you and as we follow you, denying ourselves and, and listening to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.